Sue Wedsworth, your host, coach, and professor that found it worth results to help people maximize their potential and achieve what they want out of life. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety and ways in which you can cope and hopefully strategies to reverse its hold So put away all your distractions and focus on today's lesson because this podcast class is now in session. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is our 40th podcast, and I just wanted to say yay and thank you. Today, we're looking at something I am hearing more and more about on a daily basis, anxiety. So many people seem to be suffering from anxiety, more so than I ever remember before. When I was researching this for this podcast, I wanted to get a sense of when anxiety first became a diagnosis rather than just someone getting anxious. It was actually first considered a diagnosis in 1980. 1980. I was a teenager. And honestly, I never remembered hearing about anxiety then, especially not as I do now. It wasn't until I'd say about 10, maybe 15 years ago that I really started to hear more and more occurrences of anxiety. I heard about panic attacks. In fact, panic attacks were much more common, and especially in some films and television, they often showed actors confusing a panic attack with a heart attack. Now, I've been anxious and I actually have had panic attacks, but I wouldn't say I suffer from anxiety. However, as I said, I did some research. Panic attacks actually were first coined earlier in 1985, right before anxiety and anxiety attacks. So interesting how there's a timing correlation. And the difference between panic attacks and anxiety anxiety attacks is that panic attacks are more intense and come on with or even without a trigger. But anxiety attacks are basically a reaction to a perceived threat. There seems to be a bit of an overlap there. So perhaps people were confusing panic attacks and anxiety. And that makes a lot of sense. More and more people are getting diagnosed with anxiety because, you know, they're questioning what is happening to them. And as such, you know, it's getting more defined. But why do they even happen at all? Feeling anxious is completely normal and a normal emotion to feel. It is connected to our fear response. But there's a difference between fear and anxiety. Fear is when someone responds to a perceived threat, an actual threat. But anxiety is the reaction to a perceived threat, whether it's going to happen or will happen, or it may never happen. They look at it from the point of view, obviously, of negativity and dread. And there's a mental state that converts it to a physical reaction. And as such, anxiety kicks in. Those with this disorder, however, have the occurrences more often, and as a result, there becomes more physical consequences of it. They have a feeling of restlessness or being on edge. They can be irritable, get tired easily, have difficulty concentrating, their mind goes blank, uh, have difficulty getting to sleep or staying asleep, or for some, they need more sleep. And for many, have very tense muscles. 
And if you think about it, this makes perfect sense. Because if they're on edge more often or more than what would be considered normal levels of stress on their body, it would make sense that the body would be more tired and not work as effectively as it should. Now, what causes one to suffer from anxiety? Well, again, research suggests it's usually something that happened in early childhood that we are now reacting to or being triggered by. Experiences that either were traumatic or certainly jarring to the mind or the body, and it causes triggering episodes to commence later. And it doesn't have to have happened in early childhood. Any significant emotional experience or scar can have a triggering effect. Another term that is partnered along with anxiety is PTSD. We've been hearing a lot of PTSD, and it isn't just about those from the military. Nowadays, for men and women with any post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety becomes an unwanted life partner. Sudden anxiety attacks and persistent anxiety both qualify as PTSD symptoms. Now, it is very easy for me to say, well, you can control this. Just control your thoughts and your actions, and you can control what you think. So if you can control what you think, you can control your anxiety. Believe me, I get how that sounds. Sounds a little insensitive, and I certainly don't mean it that way. But what you need to understand is that emotions, fears like phobias and anxiety, they're controlled by our subconscious mind. And you know, I get that it's also a very hard thing to control. Our subconscious mind is also much more powerful than our conscious mind, but there is a way to determine what goes into our self-conscious mind. So what we can do is we can control what goes into our subconscious mind, what acts in our subconscious mind, and try and lessen the occurrence of what comes out of our subconscious mind. In other words, lessen the occurrence of anxiety and panic attacks. So with that in mind, I want to provide a few coping mechanisms and processes anyone who suffers from anxiety can use to lessen its effects and also its occurrences. We have talked before and many times repeatedly that repeated thoughts through writing your goals and visualizing something positive repeatedly will move those thoughts from your conscious mind into your subconscious mind. And again, it is the subconscious parts of the mind that impact our motivation and our level of vibration. It's also the subconscious mind that controls our emotions. And I hope you know where I'm leading here. As you start worrying or having a panicked reaction, think about what you're panicked or worried over and try to put that down into words. Yes, start writing it out. But instead of just journalizing what you're feeling, I want you to write down the reverse of what you're feeling. If you're feeling you may fail at something, write how happy and confident you are that you're going to achieve it or that you did achieve it, or passed something. If you're worried about, let's say, being overly criticized, 
or worrying about looking silly or anything with respect to that nature. Again, write down how great you look. Write down the opposite. How many compliments will you get? How great everybody thinks you look. Whatever. Just write the opposite of what you're worried about. Repeated journalization of the positives, not the negative thoughts or worries, will allow those thoughts to start to take over the more worrying thoughts that you're panicked or anxious over and start to make you feel better. And the more this is done, the more you will gain positive vibration and will not be as effective by those negative triggers that take you over. Now, why some feel it is important to journalize in general, I do agree, writing down what you're thinking and feeling, it does have a benefit of release. However, it doesn't do anything to offset the source of the trigger and it keeps you vibrating on a negative frequency. So if you convert it to the opposite and positive thoughts to write down repeatedly, it will work in a more positive nature to train your subconscious to stop reacting to those external triggers. So start writing those positive thoughts. A second mechanism that has been used by many in the field of anxiety therapy is something called the 333 rule. When anxiety triggers happens, you just look around to identify three objects, three sounds, and move three body parts. So again, three objects, look to hear three sounds, and then move three body parts. Many people find this strategy helps focus and ground them when anxiety seems overwhelming. When we first become aware of what's happening to us within our anxiety, we're moving from what the subconscious mind controls, which again, makes up 95% of our brain power, and moves into controlling our conscious mind. By using our conscious minds to focus on something else, it allows it to take over and calm things down with that focus. Again, with repeated action, we can start to develop the behaviors and actions that we hope will become automatic. The positive behaviors and actions and not the worrying ones. A more common remedy to anxiety and even stress is just breathing. That's right. You've heard it before and probably many times, just breathe. But to make it more scientific, they labeled it the 555 rule. The 555 rule is where you breathe in deeply for five seconds, hold the breath for five seconds, and then breathe out for five seconds. Now, this isn't to be confused with the five-second rule. (laughs) So deep breathing exercises have always worked in order to relax the body and regain composure to the mind. It is the focus here that becomes important. And don't just breathe once and think, okay, now I'm good. The 555 rule does take time in order to calm the body down. Again, you are heightened with anxiety here. So it may take more time than just 15 seconds to get you back on track. But the more you do it, the more calm you will become when you engage these processes. 
These mechanisms can also be used in conjunction with each other. So writing and breathing or breathing in 333 and so on. A final one that is connected with cognitive behavior therapy is just simply to talk to someone who understands you. I must say that sometimes anxiety can get the better of me and I go to my husband. He has a way of just calming me down. I'm not sure if it's his voice, the words he uses, which sometimes are my words, turns back against me, or just because he has been, I don't know, my rock at some of my worst times. But he has a way of just chalking me down, or in some cases, lifting me up. Having someone in your life that you can turn to who just understands what to say, to get you back on track is extremely beneficial. Have them on speed dial or better yet, FaceTime them so you can get that shot in the arm that you need. Now, keep in mind, these are just a few. You have to choose which ones work for you. And if some of them don't work, especially right away, don't give up. Remember that the subconscious mind is very powerful And you need to keep at it in order to change your subconscious mind, change those behaviors and those actions. However, if you are very concerned or you feel things are getting worse, I would seek some professional or medical assistance. There are medications too that can help, but understand this. This doesn't have to be a lifetime sentence. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. I know there are a lot of choices out there and I'm so happy you spent your time with me today. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a lesson. If you want to talk about your own story, I would love that. Or have a specific question to be answered next time, head over to worthresults.com and connect. I would love to hear from you.